see the truth in your eyes As you're telling me lies Like you know that you'll hold my hand again Cause you don't know you will But I know how you feel And I don't know if I can watch you walk out on the field and there's a lightning strike I cross the pitch black night I wanna hold you close but I can't Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Lava Pool, still your only source for video game championship coverage in podcast form. I am, of course, your host, Samuel Dr. Fidget Harsma, and joining me, as usual, I've got Chalky. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, it's it's been a couple weeks, um, and <laughs> our, our intro topic this week is uh, go-to quarantine sandwich. So, what have you been eating in this quarantine that goes between bread? Uh, my go-to quarantine sandwich is an egg sandwich. Uh, very simple, eggs over easy, cheese, hot sauce, uh, some nice whole grain bread just to make it a little bit more filling. It's a very simple, very cheap, reasonably healthy sandwich. Okay, not bad. Um, also joining us this week, we have returning uh, Gabby. I don't know what your new username is it's just gabby actually just gabby okay <laughs> just gabby awesome um and what has your go-to quarantine sandwich been um i've been making ham sandwiches for lunch for my quarantine so ham bread mayonnaise pickles lettuce uh or spinach usually um and sometimes cucumbers so yeah it's kind of my default sandwich but it's good Nice. What kind of bread? Uh, whole grain, extra fiber. Nice. All that yummy fiber stuff. Mm. <laughs> mm. You are selling it very well. It's almost like it's the same bread. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And our final guest for the first time joining us on the Lava Pool, we have Josh, who... Used to go by Red Striker, now goes by what's your what's your new username? Uh, I mean, I still sometimes go by that because it's years old, and trying to change your username on most places is a pain, <laughs> if not impossible. I so I go, that. I still go by that. So I sometimes go by Scarlet these days. Um, sometimes I'll just go use my name. Nice. Simply and uh, what has your go-to sandwich been? Okay, so because I'm lazy. Well, all I do is I take Winco potato bread, some deli ham, one slice of cheese, and I'm done. That's it. That's my sandwich. Because I cannot be bothered to put in extra effort into my sandwiches. Because sometimes you just need old reliable, and man, I, that's yeah. all I've needed this whole pandemic. Simple but elegant. Gets the job done. Now, if we yeah. want to talk about um, breakfast I... burritos, but no. Ooh. Um, I, I actually just moved a couple weeks ago over to a place that has amazing, like, or I live on top of a place that serves amazing breakfast burritos. And also in our little complex here is a Vietnamese place. And so my go-to quarantine sandwich has just been ordering banh mi from Ooh. over there and then picking Excellent. it up. Very, very good. I will yes. say, as someone who also has moved recently, I have not found a new Vietnamese place, and I have not been able to get pho or banh mi, and it makes me a little bit sad. But I'm sure there's one out there waiting for me. And I am also so, someone who moved recently. <laughs> <And> I live <laughs> above a pretzel shop now, which is great. Uh, so I just get 
these pizza filled pretzels that are not sandwiches but i thought about bringing them up earlier wait filled pretzels yeah so so picture stuff in between bread so i mean i thought about it but i didn't want to disturb the flow of you know our regular rotation of of material uh it's a pretzel with uh mozzarella cheese sauce and pepperoni inside so it's just stuffed with all the pizza fixings you bite into it it's pizza on the inside but then pretzel on the outside it is very good that sounds amazing um circling back to vietnamese places i had never actually had vietnamese food before because all of the restaurants around here have like pun names and i will not stand for that (laughs) oh Um, i want to live where you live see the problem is though i feel like the pun name is like integral to a a good vietnamese restaurant like the level of pun is a good indication of how good the food is yeah no i I will not go to a place (laughs) called faux shizzle it's just not happening (laughs) okay i think it's actually pronounced pho is the thing so it's that that pun sort of works if Still. I'm not mistaken. And yeah, I, I ordered that for the first time like a couple weeks ago and I did not know how it was supposed to be eaten. They gave me like a paper bowl with noodles and lettuce and other stuff in it. And then a plastic bowl that was just broth that was like overflowing. And I'm like, am I supposed to mix these together? And I looked it up online, and they're like, oh, yeah, use, like, a spoon and a fork at the same time and just kind of, like, dunk it. <laughs> yep. And I made a giant mess, and it was awful. It was just basically me dipping lettuce in broth. And <laughs> <laughs> I would have just assumed one was the appetizer and one was the main course, so you're ahead of well, me there. Yeah, well, apparently you are supposed to mix them, and I just needed to have a third bowl to do it in but that was not at any point relayed to me so it was just me sadly throwing lettuce all over while trying to dunk it from one bowl into another i mean and it still taro sounds like a being, good time i mean it was okay taro was loving it because there were <laughs> bean sprouts and lettuce things flying everywhere and he will eat it all for those who don't know, Taro is a very good corgi. Very good yes. dog. Very good dog. Oh, okay. Who is trying to get into the office, and I will not let him until we are done recording this. No, Does love but how will we know what sandwich he likes? But He will eat any sandwich you bring to him and whatever containers it was brought in as well. Okay. That's good enough. That That's a good answer. A solid answer. Man of taste. <laughs> 13 out of 10. (laughs) All right. So, like usual, we're just going to jump right into the news here. Um, We actually got an update on PGC a week or so ago, and the update is that it's still canceled. Woohoo! Sorry. Too soon? (laughs) Force of reflex from when you hear school's canceled, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I want my VGC snow day, man. Yeah, no, not gonna lie, when it was, when my home state was burning, I kind of had a mixed feeling towards, man, I'm not at work right now, out delivering packages, I'm not getting paid, and also, please don't tell me I have to go into work, I'm enjoying my work snow days way too much. Yeah, I didn't get any snow days. (laughs) I also did not get snow days. 
Um, but the open hours did get changed, so now I don't really see any customers, which is good. Because the store opens up and I am out of there. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, but yeah, um, VGC got canceled in March, and is far as the future goes it doesn't look like it's going to be starting anytime soon um were uh were any of y'all scheduled to go to toronto that weekend when everything kind of just got axed nope i was no uh what's funny and, and it's it's so weird looking back on it now because this was like right around the time that the covid was actually really starting to pick up but not where like the news was widely spread and catching up with things. And so I remember the BGC community was deeply divided uh, where there were some people that really wanted to go just because so, they didn't want their whole seasons to go to waste because we didn't know there was going to be a C- CP rollover or a canceled season or anything like that. And I remember hearing people, like some people really wanted to go and some people were trying to frantically tell people not to go because this was a, a really big deal. And we were still as a community, uh, not just as a VGC community, but just as a worldwide community, learning that you could be asymptomatic, but still a carrier and pass to other people, and that there were some more vulnerable than others. And and I remember it was a Toronto was really a point of contention in the circles where I was kind of watching people chat about whether they were going to go and um, watching everyone slowly kind of come to terms with it was was a really interesting but sometimes heartbreaking, but very humbling time. It was good to see that most of the community ended up putting the good of the people first. <laughs> Some things are more important than championship points and glory and all of that. Right. Yeah, it's. I've, I found it pretty interesting to ask people, like, what was your last event? Um, were you going to go to Toronto? Or I think Charlotte was like the other one that was caught up in that time period. Um, just since it seems like everybody has their own story of just like, I don't know how to describe it, like slowly winding down and just kind of bracing for, I guess, whatever was to come at that point. Like I was supposed to, uh, go on a work trip that would have taken me to Richmond, Virginia, um, the same weekend as Charlotte. So like, I was actually thinking of trying to hitch a ride or otherwise get from, uh, Richmond to Charlotte. But that obviously did not happen. And I was in a very weird spot at one point where, like, work was telling me don't go, but I, like, still had plans with a couple people. And I was like, uh. <laughs> uh. So, but it was it was for the best, I think. As, as much as I would have loved to, you know, have that, like, one last event, knowing that it was going to be the last event, it, it honestly was for the best that things just got abruptly canned. Yeah, um... I, I mostly use Pokemon events as excuses to travel and moving across the country last year, I ended up spending or all total last year. I had like 40 days booked at hotels between moving and various trips. And so I had this like super gold platinum rewards thing for 2020 for traveling it's like oh sweet i'm just gonna be able to use this on all this stuff <laughs> oh and nope not gonna be able to use any of that i am Jeez. sorry to hear that uh, yeah it it was kind of sad uh my last but, actual event was a mid-season showdown where i had a very very poor performance and i just remember thinking to myself oh it's all right you know I'll, 
Um, next weekend is Toronto. It's going to be great. And then everything just didn't, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'd been skipping like most of the major ones and just playing like PCs and MSSs around here. And I was like within striking distance of an invite. I just needed like two or three more MSS finishes. So I was planning on going down to uh, Portland because they were going to have a double MSS the same weekend that like Utah had regionals. So I figured like all the big players from the Portland area are going to be going to the regional. So I'll just be able to clean up on easy CP from the MSS. <laughs> In fairness, you were you were doing pretty well from some of the regionals as well. It wasn't all just championship points from locals for you. Yeah, it was mostly <laughs> mostly PCs. No shame in that. The yeah. uh I mean the local scene is pretty pretty uh intense, I feel, in the Seattle yeah. area. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There's some in, very con- condensed areas of good players. In the Oregon area, it's been interesting watching that scene grow because so background for my last event, that was in twenty seventeen when I went with a friend to an MSS. And then before that, the last event for me was actually 2015. I kind of picked a bad time this year to try and get back into VGC. So there's that. <laughs> you no, mean where no, there is no VGC? <laughs> yeah. So talking about the Oregon competitive scene for a moment, because I am still kind of aware of all the goings-ons and whatnot. I've been playing... For those at home listening, I've been playing since the start of the 2012 season, so I've kind of seen how things have shifted, and it's interesting watching just, we have a cluster, we've grown this cluster of really skilled individuals, like some that will come from out of state, but largely just talking about the Oregon native scene. It used to just be me, and then it was me and a friend, and then as the years went on, like there were some serious threats that rose up too in Oregon. It's been impressive to watch over the years. We used to, the three of us, uh, Gabby, Sam and I used to go to Oregon regionals in between like 2014 through 2016. And I'd say that I've definitely watched the skill level of the locals get really, really good over time. And I, I really want to give props to that area because they have been putting in the work and it is really impressive. Yeah, I honestly couldn't yeah. be prouder of this area. And like, I re- and like, hey, I recognize some of your names just browsing the list. I may have helped you once or twice, and now look at where you're at. I, yeah, couldn't be happier. Yeah, I went to one uh, MSS in Portland before everything got shut down, and it was like the final round of Swiss, and I was, pl- or no, it was finals. I had already played this guy before, and I'd beaten him. And it's like, okay, I need the points here. He probably needs the points too. I'm asking like, hey, how close are you to your invite? He's like, oh, I've already got like 700 CP. It's like, I just need to (laughs) make sure I still have like the snowball going. I'm like, oh, okay then. And then he crushed me in finals. Nice. (laughs) So it seems like events... Uh, are, there's nothing confirmed for the foreseeable future. I remember the announcement actually said there was optimistic perspective from the staff that something could be starting in early 2021. Uh, not to get too <laughs> ahead of ourselves, uh, one thing that I thought was particularly interesting about that announcement what, was that the way it was phrased, it said, we're, we're optimistic that we could resume 
events in 2021, but or play Pokemon events in 2021. But then it said, but live events would be, you know, taken on a case by case basis based on the health and safety risks of the area. And the first time I read that, I thought that meant, you know, we are not going to do anything until we know it's safe. But then the second time I read it, I was wondering if maybe they were trying to imply they might actually be trying to do events online soon, uh, kind of like how they're doing the Players' Cup, but with actually sanctioned championship points equivalent events. So like international champion or challenges, because those were giving CP and they were supposed to give CP all of this year. But after um, they closed the live events in March, um, the following ICs did not count for championship points or play points. That would be um, that would be one way, yeah. I I think the Players Cup has definitely opened the staff's eyes to possibilities. That I think it, it wasn't so much that they didn't know they could do these things, but I think that the Players Cups have definitely helped them get a deeper feel of what it would take on their end to run a, a live event online. And I think that it would not be terribly surprising if we saw even something like Swiss Rounds online, very similar to our grassroots scene. I. I don't know if the official um, circuit is going to move to online just because of how easy it is for people to ghost and all the other stuff. Like Nationals last year, they wouldn't let me wear my wristwatch, which was not a smart watch. It was just a dumb watch. <laughs> just <a> so. <laughs> yeah, but why else would someone a... be wearing a dumb watch nowadays? It can't be a dumb watch. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So maybe so, maybe instead of going into speculation of what we think uh, could happen or will happen, we can just say, let's talk about what we would like to see. Uh, if there was, do we want an online scene? Would it be, if we do want an online scene, what do we want that to look like? Um, well, I'm a little skeptical of an online scene. I mean, I'm not totally opposed to it, but I will say that I think the biggest concern that comes to my mind is integrity of players, because as much as I love this community and I trust it, I still also trust that there are going to be people out there with somebody over their shoulder or some such just sort of coaching them throughout this sanctioned online event. Um, I don't know how often that would arise, but I trust that it would arise to some degree. So that is something that I've heard people bring up before, and I remember that was actually a point of contention with some of the Players' Cups as well in terms of the qualifying events. So let me ask you, Josh. So if you were a, a TO and you were feeling pressure from the community to keep events going, but you were also feeling pressure from the community to you know, close these possible uh, avenues for, for fair, unfair play, how would you go about that? Reopening, but also making sure to close these off i mean there's not really a lot you can do i don't think like you kind of have to choose one or the other i suppose just trying to think about the process because it's not like you can have a to standing with you in your home that'd be a little bit weird uh <laughs> yeah i i don't know i mean one thing yeah. i've thought about personally um, is with everybody, uh, or maybe I should rephrase this, with how easy it is compared to the 3DS generation to like stream and, you know, have like a, a Switch capture card going or whatever, they could just require people if it's like a high stakes match to just, you know, no headphones, webcam on, uh, capture card on, uh, you know, 
video video yourself playing kind of thing um that which admittedly isn't really the best uh thing like player wise it, it feels like it would be a little bit stressful but it would at least allow some integrity there's mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a downside to that in that if someone has a switch light they won't be able to stream so they would have to either get more equipment or kind of maneuver around that and much go on like that's that's why i was thinking that the webcam would probably be more preferred than just having a capture card um, yeah, but it would have to not only be pointed at you, but also at your monitor to make sure you're not also screen sharing with a Discord group that's yeah. just typing in information. Yeah, and in order true. to play in like the Players' Cup, you already need to have a Discord profile. So. so I guess one thing that has been on my mind, so let's say hypothetically we don't have the means to very quickly erase these sorts of questions that we might have. Is it worth it to still have events? So, like, if people just like, is the possibility of a few people cheating enough to mean that nobody should have events, or should we close things off until we can have a fully, um, fully integrated? Uh, sorry, not, that's not the way to put it. Like, integrity bound event. Um, what do you think? I would say make the events lower stakes just to test the waters a bit. You know, don't go immediately into the higher stakes uh, premiere events just because, you know, if you if it turns out that it's a bigger problem than we think, then at least there wasn't a whole lot riding on the line, you know? That was sort of what I was getting the vibe was the intent of the Players' Cup, that they could get an idea of, running an online mm -hmm. event, what are the pitfalls they're going to experience? What are the things that are just going to be a fact of life in tournament times and COVID? And what are the things they can do something about? Because um, I noticed that they, uh, were very, they're working very hard to not only make adjustments in between Players' Cups 1 and 2, but they're also soliciting staff, like, you know, what are the things you saw and what are the things you experienced? And uh, we've got a few friends that are in the community that's, were invited to be on staff at this time, and I was really impressed with what they told me about how things were happen happening in the background. Yeah, it sounds like I this mean, is something they really care about, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, okay, so can somebody fill me in as to whether or not there were rewards for the player cup? Um, so... Top four gets an invite to a international championship at some point in the future. Okay. Of their so... choice. So these are still fairly high stakes. I mean, decently high stakes. Then okay, yeah, because I was yeah, a little bit out of the loop. Yeah, it's basically a travel award. Yeah, yeah. You, you basically get a a trip, which, like, I I think that that's probably a good place to start. But honestly, if they would even just like have more regular tournaments with even lower stakes, like I don't know. I, I don't even know what you'd give out, like fifty dollar Pokemon Center gift cards or something, like. I think that would also be fun as well, because then it really just demotivizes cheating because, I mean, okay, someone probably would attempt to screen share or whatever to get their $50 Pokemon Center credit, but I'd like to believe that most people wouldn't, so. But yeah, I it think... depends how many rounds you have to play for all that stuff That's as well, true. because, like, Players' Cup, I did the math for the first one, and for the days I would have to take off work to play, um... I would be able to just pay for my trip if I made top four. And so yeah. if I lose at any point before top four, I have just lost a bunch of money. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Like I, 
I've been seeing a lot of interest from people who otherwise like wouldn't go to tournaments to play in the Players Cup, you know, to try the online qualifiers. So like it would be really cool if we could get some sort of steady or um, regular circuit back in place. Even if there really aren't a lot of prizes, I think there still would be motivation for people to play. And I mean, I think the people who would, you know, go hardcore and like go all out for bigger tournaments, I think they're going to come back after things are more regular or more in person regardless. But if we can do something to sort of like attract the people who are online to consider going to an IRL event, like that's another really good way to grow the scene in a time period where otherwise it's kind of hard to do so. What I really liked about the Players' Cup was that an international championship trip is something, and especially for something where we have thousands of people entering and only four people getting any actual prize. Like I felt like to me that was just low enough stakes that, uh, or just high enough stakes that people would be interested in wanting a buy-in, but just low enough stakes where uh, it wouldn't ruin someone's whole year if they, they didn't do particularly well. And I think that one of the things that is refreshing about the Players Cup, from my perspective, is that you can do this thing and there's a cool prize, but at the end of the day, like your world's invite is not riding on this. Your, your championship point circuit season is not riding on this one tournament. And I think if we were to bring back online events, uh, I would want several low-stake events rather than a handful of very high-stake events for the same reason, just because I think that... yeah. It is very enjoyable. It's much easier to get into the game when the pressure's off, when you're just playing for fun. But yeah. if there's, when you're in a regular non-COVID season and every single event is a certain number of championship points that go towards your best finish limits, that go towards your possible world's invite, every single event can have this certain uh, weight of the world uh, on its shoulders. And uh, I think that if they were to bring an online circuit, especially knowing that we would hypothetically if we take this announcement at face value, we'd be starting at the absolute earliest around January, uh, which would still be several months past what a normal VGC season would look like. And so we would have to, people would have to get their invites hypothetically off uh, a considerably fewer number of months. And so what I'd hope for is several low stake events for people to kind of work their way up so that it, one wouldn't break the bank, one wouldn't suddenly mean someone's out for the whole season. And, and I think one thing that was uh, very symptomatic of the VGC circuit, even in non-COVID times, was that I think people would more or less stop playing once they realized there was absolutely no shot of making worlds. And so having a CP payout that gives people hope and gives people uh, reasons to keep trying is, is something that's very, very important for keeping the community alive and, and fresh and thriving throughout the VGC year. Um. I should also mention that not every region does the whole CP grind. A lot of regions have never had that and have done other things. Like Japan circuit has always been pretty interesting. Um, Korea too. And, yeah, Korea with their weird just play as many games as you can in person thing, which I still don't understand exactly how that works. Yeah, I, but, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know enough to comment, but I... I have noticed that, yeah, other countries are doing non-CP circuits. And I think and some countries don't even have their own CP circuits and they just have to fly to places that do. There was that one year thing. where Australia had Wonder Launcher allowed. What? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. No. And like half the players just didn't realize that they were allowed to do that, which was great. Um, 
We really have come who, a long way as far as who BGC thought is that concerned. was a good idea. The, the rules that were programmed in the game um, used to not always work the same as the video game championship rules were. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, okay, and also weird. Australia didn't used to be part of the circuit. True. Yeah. Um, okay. So they didn't have the staff with the boxes or the special game software to set the rules for the tournament to the other things. Yeah, I would sooner take that to be a limitation of availability given they were still growing and developing in the scene rather than a sort of deliberate oversight. Yeah, well, I mean, they set their own rules, yeah. which is... That's fair. That's, yeah, I can't fault them for that. Yeah, especially if they couldn't actually get the rules that everyone else was using because that's how the game was programmed um it's better than nothing yeah kind of like back in the day when you couldn't use dragonite and tyranitar because the game programming didn't have auto 50 installed yet yeah. i wasn't unless around you had that the... toys rs dragonite oh yeah yeah no i wasn't around for that era but it does not sound like a great time i mean okay it does look like a little bit of a good time but you catch my meaning <laughs> yeah so we're about 30 minutes into the podcast. Uh, do we want to jump to other topics? Sure. Sure. Um, the only other news I have is that last week was my 10-year anniversary of joining Team Magnet. Hey! Um, so that's going to segue right into our first question. How did you all join Team Magma? And I think I'm going to start with Chalky because he joined first. <laughs> yeah, so I actually messaged... Travis, when we were starting up this podcast. So for those who don't know, uh, the thing that we're calling the Team Magma is something that originally started as a very tongue-in-cheek sort of thing between uh, Travis Staniford, Stephen Parrish, uh, Kevin Ellis, and myself. And we all um, we all made it to this thing called the Battle in Seattle. Well, actually, technically, uh, Kevin was an alternate for uh, the spots that we got. So it was 36,000 people that entered and it was narrowed down to 14 that uh, got a travel award to compete at the Space Needle in Seattle. And we were on the bus to from the, the airport to the events. And, and what was really funny was that they were they were just casually chatting about their favorite Pokemon. And I mentioned that my uh, favorite Pokemon were Blastoise, Crobat, and Umbreon. And Stephen Parrish's favorite Pokemon was Crobat. And Travis's favorite Pokemon was Umbreon. And they, Travis and Stephen were best friends for years that, that grew up in um, their own area together. And they looked at me and they were just like, we have just birthed the child here. <laughs> and the, the four of us really bonded over the weekend and just um, somebody else called us Team Magma at, at some point in the in the duration of things and we honestly didn't think we were going to see each other in person again because we didn't know that vgc was going to evolve from events like this and, and really grow and we um so we, we were just calling ourselves team magma as a, as a recurring joke for a long time and then um they sat out the two the 2008 and 2009 what we call showdown events that would eventually be vgc 08 and vgc 09 and the first year that it was like exclusively called uh, VGC was VGC 2010. And uh, all of us were uh, trying to get in on that. And that was, uh, and, and all of these accomplishments are a little bit less impressive right now because it they were like, you were trying to qualify for the national championships and 
these days that you know we have the internationals that are open entry and then the worlds are, are the big the big um pedestal to, to reach but uh, kevin and i qualified for the national championships in 2010 um and so we all had a reason to get back together and really just hang out again and we we were talking at the time that we really wanted something not just uh not just for us but also for uh other people i think at the time and, and one thing that is unfortunately something that is, is as old as vgc itself is that you know you've got some really amazing communities within the in this circuit but you also have like a couple clicks you have a couple people that are a little bit elitist and originally team magma was something we wanted as a way to just kind of invite people to our own little groups so that if you either weren't fitting in with other places or if you didn't have other or if you just like wanted uh your own group without having to like worry about being too serious that was sort of the place to do it and um i i'm gonna sort of overstep into gabby's origin story with team magma as well I and mean, we just kind of recruited her at one point because uh, none of us knew anything about coding or forums or anything like that. So once it became something that was bigger than the four of us, we needed to expand and, and we, we needed, we needed help. Um, and we uh, it's, it's, it's really funny because just we, it started as something that um, it started as something that was just like a little inside joke of just like, we we're just the, the team magma in the corner of the tournament cycle. But um, for those who, either haven't listened to the lava pool in a long time or for those who have never listened to a lava pool uh magma would eventually evolve into it, it became a forum for a little while and then was a closely knit circle of irc and then we had uh, our own our own website with articles and um things like that that uh kind of coincided with it for a little while but then most of that tapered off over time just because we we had a point where uh the ones running it were getting uh too old and too busy to do that and the ones that were uh next in line just kind of like had other things they wanted to do with their lives and we you know really wanted to respect that wish so we don't really do the the like uh the the bigger stretches that we used to but uh i'm very happy that i've been able to keep in touch with this group over the years um so i'm gonna pass it off now yeah, I think we're going to um, transition over to Gabby, who was, you already mentioned, um, pretty important to setting up the online stuff. Uh, Gabby, how did you first join Team Magma? I mean, I met Shockey in 2009, and, um, you know, we became good friends, and he told me the stories about Magma, and I, I remember thinking at the time... Um, I think the only website around back then was Scarmbliss, I want to say. And I mean, Scarmbliss, they're cool, but it was definitely, it felt a little bit clicky back then, uh, just because a lot of those players were the players who had been playing since, you know, 2004, um, 2006, uh, the Journey Across America tour. Um, Smogon and Cerebi also had smaller VGC sections. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I completely forgot uh, Smogon even had one, but <laughs> it, it it just goes to show you that it wasn't really as... I think it was because VGC was viewed as like a, um, a once a year kind of thing, and it wasn't really a circuit, it wasn't really year round, you know. Not that content creators were a thing back then, but no one really like made content for VGC unless the rules just dropped and you had four weeks to make your team or what have you. Um, 
so anyways, you know, Chalky and I stayed in touch and at some point, you know, he, he was just talking about, you know, how cool it would be to like make magma, you know, kind of more official or whatever. And, uh, I had, I had, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, dabbled maybe in uh, web dev and web like form administration before. Um, in 2006, I started a, a forum specifically for uh, women who wanted to get into competitive Pokemon, but um, was not really the time and place for that yet, unfortunately. I feel like that only happened this year. <laughs> um, so I, I was excited to maybe get back to it. Um, you know, try something new, have some more people on board, um, that kind of thing. Like the like setting up a website for me is pretty easy. So I kind of just did it one afternoon after Chalky mentioned it as a joke. And he was like, oh, <laughs> then all of a sudden, like, that was it. That that was like we had it. Um, we started recruiting people. You know, we'd go to events with T-shirts and be like, oh, yeah, you should check us out. You know, if you just want to get better, if you just want to hang um, you know, we have this group for that. Um, and it really became a, a really defining part I, of my Pokemon career at that point in time. Like, I don't think I would have stuck with it necessarily if it wasn't for the friendships and everything that we made through the site, through the team. Um, it also helped me get a lot better because, you know, we would do practice tournaments every week. Um, again, nothing serious, just like four rounds of Swiss or something with all of us on IRC. But yeah. it, I'm kind of sad that uh, the website's down. Um, in case anybody wants a formal explanation, uh, we actually got attacked by um, a couple of hackers, uh, specifically a rootkit um, that got in via a flash installation on WordPress. So I had to take it down for that reason. Um, but I do still have all the databases and everything backed up, and it certainly could be resurrected at some point in time. Like, the data's not lost. It's just, uh, I just didn't have time to keep up with it anymore, and unfortunately, the Russian hackers did. So, yeah, <laughs> my host got very mad at me for that, though. It was great. They were like, why haven't you updated this website in, like, two years? And I was like, I don't know. Leave me alone. I'm giving you money. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'd like to clarify, none of us at Lava Pool have anything against the makers of Skarmless because the BGC community would not be where it is without that group. Oh, no, no. Sure. And I didn't I didn't want to make it sound like I had anything against them either. Um, personally, I was always terrified of them, which is funny because I'm like really good friends with a lot of the people who were involved with Skarmless now. But at the time, I was just like so intimidated that like, I, I was terrified to even post on the forums there because I was just like, I'm only Babby. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, understand. Yeah, that, I, I, that, that actually transitions into how I came to Team Magma originally. Um, so I had played uh, Nationals in 2009 and I just kind of went because it was a video game thing and I didn't have to fly there. I could drive to St. Louis. Um didn't know anything about natures, EVs, whatever. Physical, special split. Just, I, I knew my type charts. I made a fun team um, and I did pretty well at that. So it's like, okay, I will go again next year. And a little bit before Nationals 2010, I stumbled into Smogon and realized very quickly that I was very much over my head here. 
Um, I tried to start breeding, um, and I wasn't going to like replay the games to reset for new Pokemon, because I didn't have that kind of time. And then it was like, oh, I'm just going to be playing with awful Pokemon here. Maybe like there's a way to trade. So I would go into the forums, and I don't know if any of you have ever looked at the like trade threads that they have there, but they're all like 70,000 words. And they've got like 2,000 pages of just rules. It's like, hey, if you don't have these specific Pokemon in this order from this thread, don't even look at this thread. Because what are you doing here? It's very intimidating, but it's also identical to what trade uh, discords look like for Animal Crossing right now, in case anybody needs a modern comparison. Yeah, I know. I remember old trade threads. That sounds like a trade thread, all right. Wouldn't be wouldn't be a trade thread without all that. Yeah, so I had nothing of value except for a, a Manaphy I got at the E for All Expo in 2007. Wait, you had one of those? I still do. Oh my god. That's cool. Yeah, I always wanted I was one, one of, of those. The 12 people that went there. Um... But yeah, so I had that, and it's like, well, I can't get an entire team for this, although I may have been able to if I tried hard enough. Um, but anyway, I, I was not going to post in any of those forums because I thought I would just get banned immediately for not reading their 200 pages of stuff. Um, and so I went to Nationals that year, did okay with my terribly natured team, um, and then before Worlds, the VGC, um, so whatever you call it, the VGC area on Smogon had a ask a simple question, get a simple answer thread. And I was just trying to like get some awareness of who I am so they don't think I'm just a random person asking for Pokemon. So I would just refresh that thread every day until somebody asked a repeat question and then I would more or less copy-paste answers from before into that, thinking like, okay, I'm doing something to help this community. Um, And then Omega Donut started a thread at one point where he's like, yeah, I will just give anybody whatever Pokemon they want as long as they're actually going to use it at an event. And I never messaged him about that because I was still too scared to actually just post on one of those things for fear of getting banned and never doing it because it seemed too good to be true. Um, knowing Mike now, it was definitely not too good to be true. He definitely would have <laughs> just given me something there if I had asked. There are many that I didn't. Like you now. Yeah. Um, and he was like one of the first people I met when I went to Worlds that year. And I, again, did not ask him for any Pokemon. Um, but what I did do was I streamed Worlds from my phone from an app called Ustream. Oh, those were the times. Yeah, and that was like one of the first times I had posted in a forum thread that was not the ask a simple question, get a simple answer, and it was just like dropping the links like, hey, I'm just kind of streaming worlds here if anybody wants to watch. And then they put it on the front page of Smogon, and it was kind of cool. But anyway, at that point, people knew who I was. (laughs) Um. And a few months later, I was, again, just kind of scrolling through Pokemon stuff, and I found 
I don't know if it was a YouTube video from Team Magma or if I just found the forums at some other way. Um, but eventually I looked at the forums and I saw you guys were recruiting and I was still like, I don't want to just kind of jump in and say, hey, I need Pokemon and I will kind of play along with you guys. So I just kind of like commented on a YouTube video, like saying like, maybe if they're recruiting, they'll see my comment and say something. And you did. Um, that was me. Like Chalky. Yeah. Chalky Messenger was like, hey, you should come join this thing. We do like weekly tournaments and all this other stuff. And at first was like, yeah, it took me like four months to put together a bad team that I <laughs> used for the entire year. I can definitely not do that. And so you message back. It's like, well, if you just need Pokemon, we can get you some stuff. And we can, we've can we got people that can teach you how to RNG. Otherwise, like these are just fun practice tournaments. Don't use these Pokemon in a real event. But if you go to this website called Pokebox, uh, you can just type in whatever you want and send it to your DNS. And it just shows up on your game. That part I'm not going to confirm and, or deny was me. Uh, <laughs> I feel like... Like, those, those Pokemon didn't pass any hack check or anything. It's just... But it it sure did work. Um, I had I had a hippopotas for my mono ground team. Oh yeah, but, the magma mono type teams. Those were fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was like the first magma tournament I entered in, and I got second. We um, I felt so this this was also for for those who also like were never around for like the 2010 2013 eras of Pokemon. We did not have premier challenges back then. We didn't have a local scene. It was basically you would... So for 2010, for 2009, 2010, 2011, what was basically happening was you would uh, train all year or just have an off-season, and then regional championships would happen towards the spring. Nationals, you'd use those to qualify for nationals in the summer, and then if you did really well there, you'd qualify for worlds in August the same way it does now. And so we had a lot of downtime just to kind of hang out with each other, and we would make these magma tournaments. So sometimes we'd have like little practice tournaments just to kind of uh, get a feel for things. Uh, and sometimes we would just have really gimmicky things just to blow off some steam and just really bond together as a group. And we would have a, uh, for example, a Clefairy Metronome Cup team tournament. We had a monotype tournament. Uh, there was one where we, I think there was one where we were like trying to use like specifically like like just like Travis rules <laughs> that were just like if, if Travis didn't like the Pokemon, we couldn't use it. <laughs> it, uh. it was uh, that was a particularly interesting time, and we, um, th yeah, you you commented on one of our practice tournament videos, and I remember reaching out to you and just really wanting to invite you. Um, and we by that point, like Gabby and I had quite a collection of Pokemon to begin with, and so. Uh, it was not hard. You you were not the first and you were not the last to come to us asking for Pokemon. Some people just asked for Pokemon and then just bailed. And <laughs> I actually don't quite yeah. mind that at all because, you know, we got to help somebody. And uh, But I think what you're describing in your story is a lot of what... Uh, that, that might actually get to what I was trying to explain a little bit better because I don't think... I don't really think, in retrospect, I had anything against Mogan or Cerebi or Skarmbliss. I think... It wasn't that I thought I could do what they did better. I think it was that uh, I wanted Magma to be a place where you could just hang out if you had nowhere else to go. And I think that 
Um, sometimes it's not a matter of clicks being too elitist. Sometimes it's a matter of just things are intimidating and you, you worry about a first impression and, um, it's scary to put yourself out there on the internet, especially when you're much younger. Um, and I think it's really understandable where you're describing it as like, uh, this was from what you could tell, like the only outlet to, um, really reach out to the Pokemon community and, and find people that like this thing that you like. And it's, it's not like Pokemon is something that has always <laughs> and always will be something that's like wildly like, oh, you play Pokemon, you're cool, kind of a thing. Um, and so I really was hoping that Magma would be this place we just, you know, welcome the people that uh, either didn't fit in elsewhere or didn't know if they would fit in elsewhere. And, and that was a big reason I gravitated towards you when you uh, reached out. Uh, it was granted a lot easier um to reach out to you the way that i did back then just because <laughs> so if, if for no other reason then that was also before like youtube was a thing back then obviously but it like youtube comments well, were not like wildfire in the same capacity so i had a bookmark for um just searching the term bgc on youtube and until about like 2014 there would maybe be like one video every couple weeks like it was that slow um now if you search it you'll get a billion results but especially like in the early 2010s there was nothing there so your practice tournaments like as soon as they'd pop up i'd be able to see them yeah um i just realized we didn't actually give josh a chance to jump in and tell us his yeah, origin story yeah we're, yeah we're going I, I chronological figured. order here yeah i figured <laughs> it would it's happen it. eventually um yeah so talking about a community to, you know, chill and hang out with and finally have some sort of, I guess, outlet with VGC that does kind of transition into mine, actually. So like I mentioned earlier, I started playing in the very start of 2012. And, you know, being one of the few Oregon players at that time, because there, was, there weren't a whole lot of players in Oregon at the time, so I didn't really have a ton of people to shoot ideas off with or just to chat VGC specifically. I mean, I had plenty of Pokemon friends at the time, still friends with them now, but cut to Nationals 2012, and I went there knowing one person in the community, and then I think it was, um, it was either Blitz or Bopper that reached out to me, actually. I don't remember how they caught wind of my name, but that was the national event in which I took... I am still very proud of that team, but it consisted of Rhyperior Staraptor, Event Raikou, Cresselia, Scizor, and Politoed, in which I use a Scarf Staraptor and a Weatherball Raikou on the same team and managed to make okay. Top Cut with it. And hey. I think that's how they heard me is they heard that this one dude was using this weird strat. It worked. And they're like, hey, you seem pretty chill, too. Do you want to join? I, it's per essentially how it went down, because I was a little confused at the time, not going to lie. It's like, wait, people okay. people recognize me? I'm going me? to guess this was Blitz. I think it was Blitz. Yeah, he he was wearing a Team Magma shirt already at that point at Nationals and was very proud to be there. Yeah, and the the rest for the rest of the time between uh, Blitz reaching out to me and just the end of Nats, 
I had a fun time with the group, and then I don't know how many of y'all out there remember Pokemon Online, you know, before Showdown. But before I Showdown, was... but after Net Battle, that's that's how old I am. Just feel like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I was just mucking around on Pokemon Online, and it was Bopper Online who reached out to me saying, "Hey, you should." come to this place it sent me a link to magma irc and the rest is essentially history at that point it's just yeah. bopper is someone i wish we were able to get on this this podcast just because he was absolutely someone that was a, both a the solution to and cause of many of our, <laughs> our like <laughs> our like old married couple squabbles like he was both like the light of the the light of the group in, in so many ways but also like the single biggest uh not i, I don't want to say troll because that that can be a little bit like harsh but he he would he would love to wrestle jimmy's just for fun and um i have a lot of good memories of just like Blake just like like we we'd, we'd have like Animal Crossing night where we just hang out and I would like get up to go to the bathroom and then I come back and like my avatar character was just like surrounded by like pitfalls everywhere and just a message from Blake just saying <laughs> I cannot be tamed in all all capital letters. <laughs> um, oh, I forgot about our Animal Crossing nights. Yeah, yeah, we we used to do a lot of stuff and then um, Blake was Blake Blake is. A kook. I, I love that guy so much. I, I, he has no doubt matured a lot. Uh, but I hope that that little prankster in him never goes away completely. Um, yeah, we we should definitely get him on the show again because he's one of the better Pokemon Go players now. Oh yeah, he um, he's been on the leaderboards. Like he he um, for for Go Battle League. Like he, I don't want to say hit rank ten like it was nothing because he worked really hard for it. But he is very very good there and it's it's not common that someone has both hit the go battle league leaderboards and qualified for the world championships in bgc so like he's he's really done it all yeah um i have no idea how the go circuit works either like do they have a circuit they've been at the world championships but it's always been weird invite things yeah so the the leaderboard is just you grind until you die basically um, so it's just a ladder. Yeah, it's just a ladder. The uh, the world's events have always been invitationals, but they uh, make sure that they pull uh, some of the more prominent PvP content creators uh, that you know participate in the actual leaderboard and, and that whole process. So it's not. I wouldn't say it's like as. Um, I don't know. I I don't have the words for this, but it it's a uh, it's always really interesting because. Um, I know that last year at the World Championships, uh, the Go tournament was like incredibly on meta, um, which was funny because to anybody who wasn't familiar with how Go, Go PvP works, it was why is everybody running Skarmory, Azumarill, um, Bastiodon. Oh my god, Bastiodon. What's Altaria? That's the one I couldn't remember the name of. Um, so it was really funny uh, to sort of watch the reaction to that overall. Um, yeah. There, I, I I like it because it's just very simple at the end of the day, but I don't have the patience to ladder forever. Another player who's both very good at BGC and very good at Pokemon Go is Nico Villalobos. And uh, he used to... So he was another Magma alum that uh, 
I keep saying Magma alum just because we don't really do anything anymore. But um, Nico, Nico and Blake both did this uh, grassroots league called the Silph Arena, and that one is really like you don't mess around. And and they're actually really cool because they have the, their own grassroots league, and you work towards uh, getting your invite to a regional championship. And they had a larger event that if you did really well at regionals, you could qualify for this thing that coincided with the in-person Pokemon Go Fest, uh, which was really cool. And so they were uh, really having a good time there. And this was all before Pokemon Go Battle League was uh, enabling things to be online in the, the capacity that it was. We could just play people online. Uh, so they they really had to work not just to not just to get to the skill level that they were but they were getting good in a time where there wasn't really a concept of online practice and you had to really reach out to people again to build those skills and find not just good people to test with but also people that you could trust so that you as you did your team building you could figure out uh what worked and what didn't work without like exposing everything and so i really give blake and nico a lot of credit for getting as far as they did because they they got to where they did in pokemon go in ways that are more difficult than someone who would be doing it now would have all right we're going a little long here so i'm just gonna skip to this last question and we're gonna do this one real quick um what has everybody been doing um since the vgc hiatus started so let's um start with josh this time getting back into vgc (laughs) perfect So, so what have you um, been doing as far as rules go? Um, Since well, we right don't really have a format on um, on Showdown, it's regarded as VGC 2021, quote unquote. It's Sword and Shield with Crown Tundra mons, the obvious bands like Box Arts and whatnot. Um, Okay. I've been practicing a lot on Showdown, and then I'm finally building a team in-game just to gradually ease myself into it. I gotta say, as somebody who's only done light practice in the years between 2015 and now, for the most part, adapting to this meta, I mean, I'm seeing some of the common patterns and signs I saw five years ago, but seeing how player mentality is and how you gain advantage and all that stuff, how that's shifted, it's been a trip on its own, I'd argue. And like, I used to be able to flowchart opponents easily in 2012 and 2013, and then I started to see that shift away as time went on. And now it has most yeah. definitely shifted away, I would argue, from that. Yeah, the Dynamax stuff, um, I still don't. Um, have all of it memorized, which is an issue when trying to flowchart a thing in game. Basically, oh, what's gonna drop defense? What's gonna raise special attack? And then mm-hmm. who's going to Dynamax? But I only got to play with that for like a month and a half, and then it wasn't the rules anymore. And so, yeah, when it comes back, it's gonna be interesting to try and learn that stuff again for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Dynamax adds such a weird, complicated thing. Just trying to wrap up thoughts here. Just I think adapting to Dynamax, how to use it effectively, because my first few teams didn't capitalize on Dynamax. I'd sit there, have the team built, and then realize, wait, none of y'all are good for Dynamaxing. And then I would just get beat by Dynamax. And, you know, 
It's like, hey, I'm going to try and use Umbreon. No, the plus two Metagross is going to Oko it, and you're just going to grin and bear it, because welcome to the meta, kid. You've been gone a Wait, while. Uh, oh, oh uh, I guess if it's plus two. Yeah. Um. Weakness policy Metagross with uh, max steel <laughs> move. You have to be running... Like, just, trying to adapt to all this, it's weird to me to have a bold... Max HP, near max defense, Umbreon barely survived that. And it's like, what a time to live in. I mean, I don't have Gem Draco Latios, at least. Good God. But this is new. True. Um, Gabby, what have you been up to? I've actually been live streaming a lot. Um, I've commentated a few tournaments that have been online. Um, I commentated the Women's Cup. I think that was honestly the highlight of my sort of mini commentary career in the post VGC circuit world. Um, but I've been, it, it's funny because I feel like a lot of what I'm doing on my live stream kind of reminds me of the community building that Chalky and I did at the beginning of uh, the team Magma Days and, you know, building out that community, having everybody just kind of come and hang out and play Pokemon and chill. Um, so that's been really nice, but I definitely miss being more involved with uh, with things like in a in a real world circuit kind of thing. Um, my player cup attempts at qualification did not go well, but I want to blame that on my inability to still play in IC style tournaments than anything else. Um, uh, were you so. streaming that as well, or first one? I so Just... I streamed parts of them. Um, okay. In, in both of my attempts to stream, I stopped streaming when I just got too salty to play. Um, the only difference is for the second Players Cup, I actually forced myself to keep playing off camera after a few hours, and I act I made it to sixteen forty eight, which was two points shy of the inevitable cutoff. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was wild how the numbers <laughs> shook out. You not only had to do twice as well, like in worldwide standing, as you did in Players Cup one. But also for just English um, cards, which I thought was going to be more similar since um, I assumed most of the people that dropped between Player Cup 1 and Player Cup 2 would be the Oceana players that weren't allowed to play anymore. But no, the English thing also, you had to go way higher up on the leaderboard than you did in Player's Cup 1, which was interesting. Yeah. I think what I'm going to do to sort of get some practice with more of those style tournaments is just host a few myself. Um, since you can create those like ladder tournaments now in game. Um, but I think I, I definitely want to get better at that. I want to keep streaming um, and just keep kind of doing what I can to keep at least part of the community active while we wait for IRL events to come back. Like, I want to believe that we will have some form of irrelevant in 2021, but I don't know. Mm. I, I, I'm just going to try and keep my glass half full and then, you know, keep refilling it as the water slowly evaporates as time goes on. Yeah. That's my metaphor and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Chalky, what have you been up to? So I haven't really been doing a lot of, competitive Pokemon in the sense of like Series 7 and VGC or what even we call VGC Same. right now. Um, I've been kind of burying myself in, in work lately. So for those who don't know, I most of my career is in either working in homeless shelters or homeless shelter providers. And 
Uh, right now, I work for one that uh, particularly specializes in domestic violence services, and, and it's actually a little bit more DV-focused than shelter-focused, but has shelter. And uh, right now, I've been really focused on that just because uh, COVID has really done a number for people who are uh, survivors of domestic violence, just because um, if you're uh, trying to be away from your abuser, there aren't as many resources to survive out in the world just because uh, places are being shut down. And if you do live with your abuser, it's uh, really difficult because like with everything being remote and everything being online, it's very difficult to get a moment of privacy to like really reach out to somebody and say, this is what's going on with me. And so we're really trying to do as much as we can. And so there are a lot of staff that are doing overtime just to kind of make sure people feel safe and have options and uh, can kind of work with those those complications a little bit. And so um, at any rate, uh, and in a lighter note, my uh, filthy casual life in terms of Pokemon, I've been really getting back into Pokemon Emerald, in particular the <laughs> Battle Frontier. And uh, Gabby is laughing because uh, she has been hearing me uh, rage quite a bit at just how oh, it's beautiful. This, this game ha came out 15 years ago and I still have not beaten all of the Battle Frontier symbols because some of them are, uh, they, they just really, really uh, love to, to push your buttons. So they have, uh, if you've never played the Emerald specific Battle Frontier, there's a, a lot of opponents where like, because items like Focus Sash and uh, Choice Scarf and Choice Specs didn't exist back then, uh, the majority, there are a lot of NPCs that will have items like Bright Powder or Focus Band and Lax Incense. And so uh, Quick Claw is, is another one. And so I will repeatedly run into a thing where like, uh, the Battle Frontier is kind of like taking on gym leaders, but instead of solving a puzzle to get there, you are doing a win streak to get there under specific conditions and specific uh, spe specific like hindrances. So, so like there's one where you can't tell the Pokemon what to do, and you have to, and based on nature, they will attack on their own. There's one where you can't choose your Pokemon, so you have to go with rentals. There's one where uh, there is one where you only have a certain number of turns and then the computer judges you based on your skill levels of different rules to follow and uh i can't tell you how many times i've gotten to like the last like set of um set uh, the last set of battles before the the leader what's called the frontier brain and then something would happen with like a bright powder miss or a quick claw activation and i'd have to start all over and gabby is laughing at me because she has watched me start over multiple multiple times and it's so good um, and, and on a long enough time scale i've beaten all of the the frontiers except for the battle factory and and it's uh, maddening because a lot of online guides will say the battle factory is one of the easier ones and but i just like can't get a break with some of the luck there <laughs> and and admittedly mm -hmm. like there's there's some deeper mechanics about like ivs fluctuate based on uh different things that you do and the choices you make uh as well as the pokemon that are available in the battle factory uh the rental one uh will fluctuate based on the choices you make and there's some mechanics there that i still have to learn as well but there i can't tell you how many times like just like a miss uh just ruins everything <laughs> um so you that's been dream it uh, there isn't really a good way to stream it just because it's a Game Boy Advance game and we don't really have that that sort of tech lying around. But uh, Fair. I would love to I would love to show some of Gabby's stream, uh, Twitch followers just my my rage and my, <laughs> my the the source of all of my frustration and and basically just what I'm doing offline when they can't see me. 
There is a Game Boy player waiting for me approximately two hours away from us that we can go pick up once we actually have room to put new stuff in our apartment. So, like, streaming the Battle Frontier on Emerald is definitely something on my, like, radar. Uh, but as of right now, we have too much stuff in our apartment that's still in boxes for me to justify adding anything else that would just add to the clutter. I, I, re I can relate with this pretty recently. Yeah, same. Yeah, I just put all my video game stuff in this new shelf thing that is right next to my computer. It's got a whole bunch of different little things that slide in and out. I have my GameCube with a Game Boy Advance player and a TV screen that's connected to the handle. Um, so I could stream. Yeah, <laughs> you can You can actually get um, a GameCube to HDMI thing that just plugs into the GameCube itself, which is pretty hype. Um, I've got something, um, a capture box for composite, so Even better. I can do that. Yeah, so I could do just about any of these old consoles until you hit, like, the Genesis and NES. Well, actually, no, I could do the NES. If you ever stream something like, like Sonic and Knuckles or Sonic 3 and Knuckles, I would absolutely watch that, Sam. Is um, Sonic a Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> so earlier this summer, I, I did stream a Sonic game for a little bit that I've never finished, and I probably never will. Which one? What do you think is the worst Sonic game? It is not the worst Sonic game, but it is one of the worst Sonic games. Shadow the Hedgehog. Secret Rings. No, I've completed that. Secret Rings is all right. Uh, uh, <laughs> colors. I, I don't know. Um, no, it, it's not. Is it Sonic 2006? Yes, it is. Hey. <laughs> oh, right. How, how could I so forget? I've, I've beaten the Sonic story and the Silver story, but I'm like just at the beginning of the Shadow story, and I have not unlocked the true ending stuff, and that was also when I stopped playing Sonic games, because um, until that point, I had played and completed all of the 3D Sonics and most of the 2D Sonics. And it just kind of haunts me that I've never finished it. But if you've ever loaded that game up, it's not worth finishing. It doesn't want you to finish it. <laughs> I remember when I was house-sitting for someone, and they said, yeah, you can use my Xbox. And then they uh, <laughs> put on Sonic 06. And yeah, first time playing it, I got soft-locked by Silver. It was amazing. I was like, "This is what it. This is a peak moment right here in my gaming life." Yeah. Um, but just for the record, the worst Sonic game is Sonic Shuffle. If you ever wanted to play a Mario Party game with completely unbeatable AI and multiple minute load times for every mini game, Sonic Shuffle is for you. Hmm. Good yeah, to I know. Yeah, I can get into that. Noted. Um. But yeah, basically, since VGC stopped, and even kind of before VGC was officially stopped, I had kind of stopped playing, and um, I jumped in really hard on Game Pass this year. If any of you have that for PC or Xbox, it's I like want to get it for PC, but I have not pulled the trigger cow. yet. It they've got like over two hundred games on it. <laughs> Um, I played through every single Halo game this year, including Halo Wars, Halo Wars 2, and the mobile games that they adapted for PC, because um, I was very excited for Halo Infinite, which is no longer coming out this year. 
Um, but yeah, I all told, I've played about 60 different games this year. <laughs> and not a lot of Pokemon. Other than dipping in when the DLC came out to finish the DLC stories. Well, you know, that's okay. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world. <laughs> Everyone, I mean, I think... If there's one thing I've been thinking about a lot with COVID, it's just how really lucky we are to have something like VGC in the sense that being able to not just find a community of people that love this, this crazy thing that we love, but also uh, the fact that we had the opportunity and the means to just travel and see the world. Like, you know, for, forget championship points, forget leaderboards, forget world's invites, like just being able to just travel all over the world and find people that love this thing you love. That's that's incredible and then mm-hmm. and i think to that end um it's also it's wonderful but it's also draining and i think that you know when when covid ends we're really going to want to to both go hard and make up for lost time but we're also um going to really want to see people and i think to that end it's like you know taking a break from pokemon right now is okay i think we're going to get a lot of that when it's safe to do so and no point in really burning ourselves out on it now and i think that if anything, just buckling down and just kind of keeping your head down is, is great for right now. Cause I'm, I'm planning on just saving money and just trying to, um, pass the time by just making the, making the events that I want to play in the future more feasible on my end. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to be more choosy with what events I go to, um, going forward and not just going for like, Oh, I've got that weekend free and there's CP, but it's in a barn in the middle of nowhere. Um, the last regional I went to was the San Diego one. And I stayed in a resort that had seals like in the lobby. Seals. The out- really? The outdoor lobby. Yeah. It oh was my awesome. God. I want to go there. Um, I could walk to SeaWorld, which I did twice. Um, I did a walrus encounter where I got kissed by a walrus. Oh. <gasps> Um, BSTS was also in on the walrus encounter. We did that together. That was, it was awesome. But yeah, like those kind of places I would like to go to and do more things outside of just showing up for like 30 hours, sleeping, playing Pokemon and then leaving. Yeah. yeah. I'd, ar- I'd argue in the past cause I, y'all remember nationals 2015, right? And actually <laughs> not just nationals, I just um seattle. they all kind of blur together at some point yeah yeah they do. see here nationals for me nationals 2015 and then also seattle regionals 2015 where so i i tend to be a very competitive person but at oh, that yes, particular I do this. yeah that particular year i actually didn't mind saying you know just i don't care about my tournament performance because if I end like for example at nationals, if I ended up getting top cut, we the group of us we wouldn't have hung out like we did. And I just think that yeah, you know, like you're saying, there's more to traveling and going to these things than playing Pokemon for several hours at a time. Just yeah, just the type yeah. of community. Yeah, yes, I, I would much rather like to see my friends in cool places where they aren't salty that something happened or they aren't just super stressed that they did make the next day. So now they can't do anything because they're just worried about that. Oh, I just realized I, I wanted, I wanted to tell a story on the podcast. If that's okay. Just like an old, both an old magma story. And it kind of like fits right into 
what Josh is saying right now. Okay. Um, so Gabby and I are unpacking boxes because uh, we just we just moved, and we I found this old box of stuff that I, I just haven't looked at in years, and there was a there was a thank you card in it from a, a very wonderful uh, individual named Glenn Arnold. Who and if you don't know your Pokemon history, uh, the Arnold family had. Uh, several children and both the mom and the dad all qualify for worlds at some point. So like they're, they were very, very good for, for their time. And uh, he sent me a thank you card that just said something like, like Grace loved the story behind the Pikachu plushie. And I looked at Gabby and I was like, what is this talking about? And we realized we had no idea what this was. (laughs) And so we went through. um, So I reached out to Glenn and I asked him like what was going on with that. And I found uh, I found a letter that I wrote to him. I found a letter that I wrote to him that was uh, talking about just sort of that was just sort of like what happened. So it was 2013 World Championships, and apparently what was happening was we like we were going to Worlds, and the Arnold family couldn't go that year, or and they asked me to get the like exclusive Worlds Pikachu for uh, Grace, what the the daughter of the family, and. Um, I was, uh, just not able to get through the merch line fast enough before they all sold out. And, uh, I was repeatedly going to different people who bought them early and asking if they would sell it to me and just trying to explain the situation. But everybody else was trying to sell to a, a much higher profit so that they could get to, um, you know, cause like most of the time what they would do is they would sell buy the exclusive ones and then sell for, for much more. And eventually I was just at the point where I was like, I, I promised this guy I was going to get, um, a Pikachu for his daughter. And so um, I was just repeatedly entering side tournaments where the plushie was like one of the possible prizes. And uh, the thing that was really magical about what happened was about half of Magma saw what I was doing and eventually started joining in. And the letter I wrote to Glenn just detailed that this story, and I I cannot believe that I forgot this uh, just because we've done so many things over the years, but Basically, what ended up happening is we we had so many magmas sign up for the event that only six spots of the side tournament were not filled by people associated with Team Magma or fighting for the same very uh, silly cause. And every single time one of us won, we were just like yelling like "For Grace!" And then um, there was another person who was part of Magma for a while uh, named Colin Iyer and. Um, he ended up in the finals against Satoru Masukata, who was the 2012 Japanese national championship winner. Who So basically, like, a year after this guy was, like, the hottest he's ever been in terms of this game. Um, and uh, in the LCQ that year, uh, Masukata just, like, crushed me. And so I knew I had no chance against this guy. And Colin came in and uh, managed to win. And without even thinking about it, he just grabs, um, like, they give him a choice of different... Uh, prizes and without even thinking about it he just grabs the pikachu and then gives it to me and just and we all just yell for grace (laughs) and that was the pikachu that i gave to glenn and that that was what the thank you card was for and and it was just amazing because just last night we found this and we realized we had done so many things over the years uh as team magma that or just in general with the bgc community that we had somehow forgotten this incredible story just because so many things have happened and that that is my like in my mind, like when I think of the good old days of Magma, or when I think of like good times of BGC, like I hope that's the kind of memory that I'm creating or recreating, and that's the kind of thing that's going to matter to me much more than any world's invite ever would. Yeah, that's awesome. 
On that note, however, we are running over time, so I guess, does anybody have anything they would like to plug before we say our goodbyes? I mean, there's a streamer named Gabby Snyder. That's okay, I guess. Twitch.tv slash Simply Gabby. Just saying. I mean, on my own final note, I'm just happy to have everyone gathered back again like this. It's been a long time. It really is good to chat with everyone. Yeah. So yeah, until next time, uh, everyone have a happy Thanksgiving. Please stay home. Wash your hands, please, wear please a mask. Please stay home. Please stay home. Stay. Thank you all for stopping by. And yeah, we will see you next time on The Lava Pool. I don't want to let you go in the meantime. Cause I don't know I get you back. I don't know I get you back. I don't want to let you go in the meantime. Cause I don't know I get you back. I don't know I get you back. Ah. I can feel you fall away from me. And then it's all of the eyes and the picture throwing And it's all of the eyes and the way it's going And you hit the ball And then it's out of